so I applied for the position. And with that journey, I, I got a resounding no. Cindy Wilson, and this is my new podcast, Leading the Ship. Organizational leadership is a lot like steering an actual ship. The factors that can lead to your success as a leader can be as unpredictable as sea and weather conditions. As an HR professional, I'm positioned to see just how much relationships can impact organizations. But now, as a leader myself, I'm even more interested by how leadership behaviors can impact both personal and organizational outcomes. The study of leadership is expansive, but we have so much more to learn. In our last episode, we spoke with Dale Lachlan about the art and importance of effective conversations. In this episode, we'll continue our conversation on conversations with a look at how we can better our ability to not only give, but also receive feedback especially feedback that may not be positive. In part one of this episode, Charlene Pedro will share with us some of her experiences, not only giving, but also receiving harsh feedback. Charlene is an HR consultant, a corporate trainer, a personal development strategist, an inspirational speaker and writer, and the founder of Conversations Over Coffee with Charlene Pedro and the Mastery of Me program. When we talk about feedback in organizations, our mind naturally goes to the dreaded performance review. I don't need a scientific study to tell me that managers and employees really dislike this time of year. Believe me, in HR, we don't like having to chase you down for the documentation either. Research has shown, however, that approximately 66% of employees think that these reviews are irrelevant and disruptive to their productivity. I mean, who has time for work when you're worrying about the potential outcome of your performance review? These things can control how much bonus you're going to get. It was also found that 95% of managers are just not satisfied with the review process. Why do we dislike giving and receiving feedback so much? Best practices indicates that we should not be waiting until the performance review conversation to provide employees with feedback. But let's be honest. We sometimes avoid giving feedback throughout the process as well. What are we avoiding? Charlene had some really good insights and shared some of her real-life experiences, receiving feedback that could have crushed her but didn't. She shows us how we can best position ourselves to provide constructive criticism and how we can deal with receiving feedback that we may not like. Evolution to leadership. Yes, your evolution to leadership. Um, I, I, I suppose for me it was, as people say, moving up the ladder, but always paying particular attention to the leaders I come in contact with and looking to see 
what is this in, in their approach, their style that has a positive influence and impact? Um, I started my journey as, um, let me go way back, um, you know, going to UE, of course, as an adult um, with what, one, one, I remember I started UE actually with my, well, I was on maternity leave, was just coming off maternity leave and I went back to UE. So I would say my journey started there in terms of academic and started to be interested in um, the discourse of leadership and how powerful leadership is not only in our professional lives but also in our personal lives and I would have completed UWE. Um I remember after UWE I would have um, applied for various positions and of course everyone said no <laughs> and uh, you know a company that said no did call me back and said they had a vacancy and I went to the interview and I, and I got the job so I started as an officer, corporate services officer, and they soon after I began, they wanted to um, establish an HR department. So I was their first HR officer and worked with establishing department in terms of company policy and procedures. And then I, I remember I had a manager who retired, was retiring, was shifting actually. She was um, going to another position. And I, of course, we are all ambitious, so I applied for the position. And with that journey, I, I got a resounding no. <laughs> but I must say, it was the most, it was the most um, gracious no that I've ever received. Um, the person explained, our VP explained why now was not a good time because of the, the stage the organization was in. So I took that and literally worked with it and focused, focused on developing myself um, and showing up. So, you know, many times we do things and we hide it under the table or put our lamp under the table because we have been taught and socialized that we must not celebrate our achievements too much. Otherwise, we will be deemed proud, as if that's a bad word, yeah? So I really focused on developing my skills, um, showing what I can do, even within my department and within the organization. And when my manager was leaving now, uh, my manager recommended me for the management position. So I didn't have to apply anymore. I was recommended and thereafter confirmed. And so that was my first management position, of course. And, you know, all through my professional journey, I have always zeroed in on how do we make a positive impact. And as I, you know, got promoted, I started to, to notice the impact leaders have on their team and the organization as a whole. And the good and the bad. So I really zeroed in on how the power we have as leaders, the impact, the opportunity we have to impact lives, those, the lives of our team, the lives of people around us. And I really found that um, the leaders who were in my professional circle, so not voluntarily, but the leaders who were in my professional circle, 
needed to have a more positive impact on those around them. So let's say I zeroed in on the on the negatives and wondered what it is that makes someone come to work and not notice that their you know their admin assistant is having a bad day. What makes someone come to work and think it's okay to shout at a manager so that the whole floor can hear? What makes someone come to work and embarrass someone in a, in a management meeting? So, you know, I was always wondering and always looking on and um, asking myself, what is the better way? Because there must be a better way. in that 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 no context was trust now the, the core of leadership is trust the person told me no I trusted that person hundred percent so I know that the response and I, and I, I suspect if somebody else had to deliver the message I would have probably um, taken it a different way not necessarily in a bad light but not as good as but because I trusted the person who delivered the message, I know the person had my interest at heart. I trusted the decision for no. And I said, okay, I understand your perspective. I got you. As a matter of fact, I might even agree with you. So let me see. I'm getting a new manager now, a new manager that is more experienced. So I've got a built-in mentor that I could tap in, in every single day. And that I did. So when um, my manager will ask me things, simple things to do like evaluate um, proposals for EAP, selection of an EAP service provider. And I'll say that as, it seems simple, but I'll take that as a serious job and actually do up a spreadsheet and weigh in the pros and cons and then come up with a recommendation why we should engage a particular service provider. And I remember that simple project, she was totally blown away of my analysis. So I go back to um, always doing your best, even if it's a simple task, and showing up, and showing up. Yeah, yeah. So you trusted that people, but, you know, a lot of manager-employee relationships don't have that level of trust. What advice do you have for someone who is getting that negative feedback um, but wants to use it positively but you know you, you, you're not quite sure where this leader or the person who's giving you the feedback is coming from that trust that bond does not really exist in in the relationship yeah what's your what's your advice to that kind of person so even though there may not be the relationship like I have, I think it's always good to analyze the situation, which is what I did actually. You know, is there any validity in the no? 
And even if there is not, because you don't have control, what can you do at this time? And looking at the long-term picture, the long-term vision for yourself as a professional, one, is this really the place you want to be in terms of the organization as a whole? Because somebody may think, okay, well, um, I remember once I was um, doing a survey with some, at that time, I think it was just an officer, and you we were looking at employee engagement and if employees will stay with the organization. And one person frankly said, you know, it's either she moves up or she moves out. So she had a plan. Yeah. So, you know, if we get a no, we have to ask ourselves, so am I staying here? Is it worth for me to stay here to try for another another opportunity? And if it's worth it, then then what do I have to do to um, be considered and to be successful the next time around. I do feel that sometimes we are in places that are not the best for us and we get comfortable and we stay there and we don't venture out uh, to see what else opportunities are there so that we can make a more significant and positive contribution. Sometimes I believe we get comfortable and we get um, complacent. But complacency is really the thief of growth. Uh, once we get complacent, we don't look for opportunities for growth. So if someone's in that situation, one, I'll say, you know, do some introspection and see if this is the place, really the place for you, whether it's up or out, as my uh, friend said. And two, so now you have some time. It's all about perspective. Even if it's not a good relationship, if this is a place in terms of the organization, so you may not have the trust relationship with the leader, but the organization may be an organization that you are buying into the vision. It may be that um, the team, the employees are really what the engine that keeps the train running and not focusing on the, the manager, so, so to speak. And so if you think that's a place for you where you could flourish and grow, definitely use the opportunity to step back and say, okay, so what else do I need to do? There's always something we need to do because we are forever growing and evolving. And this is one reason I don't use the term best self. People speak about showing up as their best self. Um, I talk about being your better self. Because every day is an opportunity to do better than yesterday. And the next day to do better than yesterday. And that best self is an illusion, yet still a vision that we work towards. But it's infinity. We never get there. Hopefully, we never get there. Because if we do get there, then we stop growing. I really like that. Your better self. It, it yes. does take some of the pressure self. off of you. you know, yeah. Time to be best you're really just kind of growing and evolving so the last the next question yeah. really you know we're talking about leaders and so forth in your opinion what are the three major qualities that all leaders must have um, you know, for success well, definitely empathy <laughs> you know if you don't have empathy you have you have no reason to be a leader. And I'm not talking about being a manager. I'm not talking about being a CEO. People are given roles. People are given positions. And that does not automatically make them a leader. And if you cannot empathize with the persons around you, persons on your team, if you cannot notice, as I, as I shared, if you cannot notice 
that somebody who is usually perky and talky and mischievous even, if you cannot notice that person is in the shell today, and that probably there's some errors here and then. If you can't notice that it's different from the norm, then you have no business being a leader. Yeah. So one quality I'll say you must be able to um, exercise and and display empathy. The other quality I would say it's uh, integrity, and part of that is is walking the talk. So many times, I mean, I've I've, I've seen it. We have, we have leaders, we have organizations, and you have policies even. You written on the books, on the shelf, collecting that. You, you, you demand a certain behavior of your team, but yet still you're not leading by example. And to me, that's integrity. That's part of integrity. Um, if I'm telling you, you must be here, unless you have a different relationship but if generally I'm telling you you must be at work at eight then heck I gotta be at work before eight all right unless there's a different arrangement depending on your position and thing but if generally work at eight of course you make little allowances if there was a late evening or night before this might come in or you might come in late in the morning but generally speaking if I'm asking you to be at your post at eight to get ready to serve the customers I cannot be strolling in at 8.15 and 8.30 and 9 o'clock because I'm the boss. It doesn't work. So for human beings, they want somebody they can emulate. Your team wants somebody they can emulate, somebody to inspire them, somebody they can model, somebody they can look up to. So you can't, as a leader, you cannot exclude yourself from the rules. You cannot exclude yourself from the requirements. So that's the second thing I would say, integrity. Um, and following out of that integrity is the ability to build trust, to build relationships. Um, not everybody's a social butterfly. Not everybody knows how to build a relationship. But if you really want to be a leader, you better learn how. Because people are social creatures. You know, everybody's not an introvert or an extrovert. But as a leader, even if you're an introvert, you have to find a way to connect with your people. If you don't connect with your people, how are they going to want to go the extra mile? How do you go the extra mile with somebody if you feel no connection with them? From, from an employee's perspective. If there's no buy-in, if I'm an employee and I have, I have not bought into your vision and I feel no connection to your vision or to you, I'm doing my job, yes, but that's all you're getting. You're just getting the bare bits from me the minimum requirement from you. You're not going to get the discretionary effort and the brainstorming and the suggestions of what you can do to bring in more customers. And that's that's the relationship you want to develop. So I say that would be the, the third uh, quality that a leader should have. In terms of getting feedback or giving feedback yourself, what would be the most difficult feedback that you would have had to give or Um, the most difficult feedback I would have had to give was to tell someone that you are terminated. Yeah. So that really most difficult feedback. Again, it's how it's done. It's never the, never what somebody wants to hear. Yet it was not a tense discussion and we did part with, um, on a positive note. 
um, regardless of what the intention and the outcome was. So it was difficult in that I knew I had to prepare how to start the conversation, what to share, what to anticipate, uh, to speak to the person first and then the need of the organization. And then to speak back to the person, meaning to speak to, when you sit in front of somebody, you speak to their needs as a person, know who you're talking to, what their interests would be, whether the person is a mother, have children to take care of, what, you know, what, what have you shared while the person was employed. So I would have started there and have that kind of conversation and then move into the, what the organization requires. So I have been very but skilled at developing relationships at work and balancing being part of, as somebody, as head of HR, and even when I was an HR officer, balancing being part of the, the team and being a manager absolutely to toe the line. So I, I, I've, you know, look back, I, I, that's a skill. And I realize I've been good at doing that so that I could lie with you in the kitchen. We can all talk, we can laugh. And if I see you walking down the corridor, for example, with a, a ring in your nose, a nose ring that is not in accordance with company policy, I could call you out and have a conversation about that. Soon after we finish lining in the kitchen. Yeah. And the conversation wouldn't be a tense conversation because I have built the relationships already. Yeah. So when we are having difficult conversations, uh, and that one that was difficult for me, I believe it's because I had built, we had history, we had background. I had built the relationship already. And not that we worked closely together. No, we didn't. Didn't work in the same department, in the same building. yet still develop the relationship more so over the phone or whenever the company came together, whether it's once a year or once every two years together. But I built that relationship so that there were two conversations taking place during that period. One was from an employee to employee and the other was head of HR to employee. Yeah. So... It was a conversation that I said I had to plan for and a conversation that I had to speak to the person as employee to employee, woman to woman, as they say, have that conversation and then switch and put on my hat as head of HR that, you know, this is the bad news. Yeah. And then switch back woman to woman. So, so that was my approach and that would have been the most difficult conversation I would have had to have in, in my period. Yeah. Of course, the the other conversation, and I think about it, if I'm saying I'm on the receiving end, and the conversation to me would have been, hmm, where should I start this conversation from? So that would have been the, the conversation where I would have been advised that my services are no longer needed, that I will be terminated. And that conversation was me... Um, prompting my senior to to bring what has been happening to a close. So I would have known that uh, behind the scenes that there were preparations to terminate me. Um, yet still nobody was having a conversation 
with me. People were judging the conversation with me. You know, calling meetings, show up, not ready, leave the building without advising me. And I said, that's, that's, that's unprofessional. That's disrespectful. And because I'm all about professionalism and I'm all about respecting persons, not because of the position they hold, but because they're human beings. And I do recall saying to my senior that I'm aware of what's happened. Please, let's have the conversation. And if I'll give you the words that I actually use, I said, let's get it on. <laughs> I said, let's, you know, at, at this stage, it's been hanging on for, for months. And it was really a very stressful time for me. And I had just reached my mental limit. And I really needed to be, as I would say, to be released. And so that would have been, if I had to really look back at my career, that would have been one of the most difficult, yet freeing conversations that I had. And I remember the last conversation in that context. I remember sitting around the table in the boardroom and sometimes we find strength in strangest places and I remember not now this is my last meeting this is when I'm being told goodbye we won't see you tomorrow <laughs> and I remember being unable to talk in the sense that there was a there, there was a, a frog frogs in my throat I could barely hear myself I'm really crooked, could barely hear myself speak. And I wondered inside, Sean, what's happening? You have to talk, you have to say something. But I kept trying. And I noticed that as I kept trying, that my voice got stronger. And it kept stronger and kept getting stronger until I was able to speak as usual. And I remember saying that, you know, <laughs> I mean, who am I to be disappointed in people at this level? But I remember saying that I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> I remember saying, I'm totally disappointed in you. I said, you know, organizations get rid of people all the time. It's a pack of organizations, but it's how you do it. There's a measure of professionalism that is required. So I'm totally disappointed. And um, I said, thank you. I also remember saying that I don't hold any animosity with anybody around this table because for me, life is too short. So I said, thank you very much. I've had some wonderful working experiences here. I mean, if you speak to anybody, we've never had any, any arguments. We may have different disagreements, but never an argument. And I said, thank you very much. I got up. I swung on my heels, and I remember walking out that door as it was yesterday. And I felt proud of myself because I felt that I took back my power. I was no longer a victim. And I sort of flipped the table just in that conversation. Yeah, so that would have been the conversation for me. You know, you shared that story with me before. And um, I really appreciate you sharing it again. Because as you did mention, you know, being able to provide that type of feedback is a skill. A skill that many people don't have. And, you know, people avoid giving negative feedback and when you when you avoid giving any negative feedback it stays and it festers 
and you know it does all sorts of things with people mental psyche etc um why do you think they avoided giving you that feedback earlier on why didn't they do it earlier on i really think when you have nothing to stand on so you make the decision but you still have nothing to stand on you have no no evidence you have no basis that you still you made a decision but you still know in your heart of hearts that you have no basis for your actions um because i mean i was want to be fair that it would to say you know you don't have to want to have the conversation but i really feel that not being sure if the decision was right and not having a basis that it was just hanging on and hanging on and it was mental torture <laughs> it was mental torture there was actually a day when i thought it was going to be hap- happening and it did not and i had a ranger afterwards lying with some of my girlfriends and i remember going and complaining that you know it didn't happen today <laughs> one of my girlfriends said this is the first time i've seen somebody annoyed that they would not terminate it <laughs> you know so the 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 not having that conversation as you say and dancing i call it dancing because you're not taking the bull by the horns and not addressing something directly and all that is part of a leadership skill you know yeah so when you have an a, a, a scheduled meeting with the highest position in the organization and you open the door to the to the boardroom to go to that meeting at the appointed time and the person said they're not ready and my response is short sure, I'll wait in my office you can call me when you are and you sit in your office waiting for that call and then somebody comes to tell you well the the person left <laughs> then you realize they probably scared to have the conversation <laughs> I mean that like blew my mind. That is crazy. Yes it is. But I mean okay so let's pivot it because I know that you have sessions where you talk about, you know, performance management and that whole idea of continuous feedback. So maybe not as the um fatalistic as a termination but this this regular feedback ongoing feedback some managers still avoid even doing that yeah. uh, what advice do you have for managers who have to you know i mean it's part of their responsibility yeah yeah um, yeah what advice do you have for that well there are two things here as you said i mean start with part of your responsibility so you know i always say that as a manager as a leader we don't always get to choose how we should respond because just when that hat means there's certain actions and certain behaviors that are required of you whether you like it or not otherwise don't take the position so and i i see with other scenarios but particularly with having this difficult conversation it is it is one it is a key component of your role So we can't dance, we can't defer, we can't delay, we can't delete. So that's one thing to recognize it as an integral part of your role. Second one, so that's at the organization level, at the personal level now. 
we need to ask ourselves, why are we postponing procrastinating? I mean, you procrastinating and saying that you don't have time and in your mind you have the report to do and you have your customers to deal with and then you will deal with that later and later becomes tomorrow and next week and next month and never. You doing that, that level of procrastination, if we really call ourselves out, is really you saying that you're afraid to have the conversation because we make all sorts of, of valid reasons why we do not have the time and why it is not priority because let's be clear, time follows priority. Whatever you give your time to, we all have 24 hours in a day. Whatever you give your time to is what you consider top priority. So if you, as a manager, if as a leader, you are postponing having that conversation with your team member, what you're saying is that it's not important. And what you're doing is really what you're probably not conscious of, but it's really self-preservation actions you're taking there because you just don't know how. And I think that's what keeps, you know, subconsciously keeps managers um, from having those conversations and supervisors because they don't know how. They have not been taught how. And even if they did a class or a training somewhere, there's no continuous um, coaching and practicing. Even with your peers, if you practice, you'd have to wait till you, because how will you get comfortable if you have to wait until the situation pops up? So even with your peers, practice having that conversation. So it's recognizing and, and calling yourselves out. You know, the only way we grow is when we call ourselves out. We have to recognize what our gaps are. And it's calling yourself out and recognizing and procrastinating. Sometimes I procrastinate also and I have to recognize that, okay, Charlene, you're procrastinating doing something because of X, Y, and Z. Get to it. So we need to call ourselves out and then find a way to build that skill. It's a skill. So the good news is that it's a skill and we can develop that skill. But we have to be intentional of wanting to develop the skill and not just say we are you know, going to do a training program and when we finish with the program, that's it. But it's what happens after the program. What do we do with the information after the program? Do we practice to develop our skills? And that's where the growth comes in. And that's where the comfort zone comes in. Because... Training, skill development, in the end, what we're building is not so much the skill per se, but what we're building is confidence to use the skill. And that's what makes the difference. Yeah, so what, what advice would you give to a manager for parents to have that kind of conversation so that they don't procrastinate, they don't put it off, the conversation needs to be had? What are the kind of steps to you would take as a manager leader to kind of ensure that our conversation goes well? Well, first thing you have to, you know, plan your conversation. So plan what, what it is. What, you know, I always ask, what triggered you need to have the conversation? Because you will have to address the person. You have to address the person before you have the conversation. You don't just go out and say, you, you know, you have the conversation in the corridor. And that's one thing I tell managers do not have. If the conversation is important, then it's important enough to have a private conversation in your office at your desk. A corridor conversation could never be an important conversation. A by-the-way conversation could never be an important conversation. And if it's not considered important, why should the employee put any weight, any importance on it if you're bypassing, hustling out 
to see a client on lunch and you just mention something by the way. Why should I, as an employee, give that any importance? So the first thing will be to identify what triggered the need to have this conversation in the first place. What did you hear? What did you see? What did you read? What triggered the need? Did you hear something from a, a colleague? Did you hear something from a client? Did you read a report? Did you notice something? What is it that triggered the need for this conversation? And that is what the first part of, of deciding you need the conversation is to identify what triggered. Because something must trigger the need. So that when you are going to approach the employee, you could share, you know, I read a report and saw X, Y, and Z, or a customer gave me feedback and said X, Y, and Z, or I noticed X, Y, and Z. Um, I would love to, for you to, to share it or give me your feedback or, you know, give me your side, as you'd like to say. Um, could we schedule to meet? Because it gives the person notice, yeah? It gives the person notice. And you have your evidence because in this, in this context, when we say here, that is valid because here is from a customer. And the customer would have shared a scenario that happened. So that's your evidence. Uh, whereas we are taking evidence from customers and, and managers, we also want, particularly as colleagues, we want to ask questions to ensure that the scenario is what it seems to be. Yeah? Um, because we just don't want to take something and run with it and when you go back to the employee it's not you know that so we want to verify the information from our colleagues and when we go to the employee we can say okay so this is, has been the reports um, but I know that there may be something I'm missing for example because sometimes there may be something we're missing we didn't get the whole story <laughs> so or people may have done something for a reason and we don't know what it is and when we hear it makes sense so, you know, so this is what I've gotten so far and probably you have more information that I don't have. It could be, you know, arranged to meet at a certain time. So when you take it from a neutral perspective and not um, accusing the employee already based on what you're saying, you know, I heard that you had some problems with the customer because the customer complained. What sort of feedback are we going to get with that? that person is going to be on the defensive they're coming into the meeting on defense they're probably going to do research or something oh that started off wrong in the first place or we could say i got some feedback from the customer but it sounded a bit strange i know you're always um monitoring or you know what i've noticed is that you've always been regular or whatever it is um but probably there's something that the customer missing or i'm missing let's have a conversation yeah so let's have a conversation to close the gap it moved from the first conversation of, of accusing the person to the process now. Let's look at the process and see what the gap is. Yeah. So it's really um, one, like I say, identify what triggered the conversation, approach the employee to have the conversation in a neutral manner and not accusing the employee because you don't know what has happened, and then schedule to have that meeting. Now, as we're having that meeting, you want to, as I say, have your, your, your evidence, you want to share, you want to give the employee the opportunity to, to respond and to share their part and really look for a solution. You can use a coaching approach in terms of finding a solution. You know, I like to ask employees, you know, 
what would you have done differently? Okay, we messed up this time. And I'm, I always tell people, I look back, I analyze why we messed up to the extent of how do we do better. I don't care who falls with this. And in fact, it irritates me when people start to talk about fault and say it's not my fault. But I really don't care. <laughs> my thing is that because fault is past tense. So my thing is that has happened. What do we need to do now to close the gap to ensure there is a repeat of that? Because these errors only supposed to happen once. So what do we do now to close that gap as a team? What do you need from me? How could I support you? So that is the kind of conversation we want to have when we have to have someone inside our office to have difficult conversation. And in the end, we want a commitment from the from your team member, from the employee that you're speaking with. Because as leaders, we have to be careful that we don't steal and hide and embrace all the responsibility and all the action items. When we do that, the employee does not grow, the employee does not move. So the owners have to be has to be an employee to do something different. They have to commit to do something differently. Yeah. And what advice would you give to an employee who has to get feedback um, from someone who is not skilled at giving feedback? Well, the employee better do some homework and be skilled in, in pulling out feedback. And you know, the situation that we many of us would find ourselves in and i'll say you ask for feedback because that's the only way you grow and because you recognize that your manager is not skilled you don't expect it to be skilled we manage our expectations and your 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 objective is just to get the information so that you can grow so you know because you identify well my manager like they missed that course in giving feedback when they did their MBA or their first degree. So I wouldn't expect all the things that I've learned about, but I still, I so need this feedback because I want to identify my gaps and I want to grow. So I'm still going to approach it and I will take the onus because I am responsible for my development, not my company. I will take the, 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 the first step. I will take the first step and ask my manager if we can meet at some time, I would love to get your feedback. And I'll just take it as it comes. James Hume's former presidential speechwriter once wrote, The art of communication is the language of leadership. Communication is a two-way street. We must not only be capable of giving, but also receiving feedback. Needless to say, this ability is key to our growth as leaders, because without it, we're not enabling growth for ourselves nor for our teams. Special thanks to Charlene for sharing her knowledge with us. Join us for part two of this episode on feedback, where we circle back to Dale Lachlan and we talk about feedback as a gift and how we must exercise empathy in leadership.